Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. The best place to listen. Get started with the 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at a classic this week from the Ooh Spooky podcast, it's the Spooky Boys themselves, Adam Knox and Luca Muller. Hello, I'm looking at a classic myself right now, oh, Dave. Oh, thank you so much. I'm looking at a car outside, oh. my Chevy. Oh, <laughs> damn, I thought you were looking at me. <laughs> well, I'm looking at a classic named Adam Knox. That's what a me. beautiful guy. It's our podcast now. <laughs> hey, thanks for having us, man. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing a bit of uh, spookiness to the studio. Or the library, as I sometimes refer to <laughs> it. Like on a- every third episode of the show. <laughs> it's a semi-ongoing thing that I regret nearly every time I bring it up. Do you have a name that you call your fans? I love a podcast with a name for their fans. Um... Oh, I'd never refer to them as fans. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, sometimes, Listeners. hey, book cheaters. Oh, like nice. Like People who read and are infidels. Yeah, that's right. We have, uh, I was going to say infidels, but realised that wasn't the word. <laughs> if you commit infidel, if you're, what is the word for that? You'd know you're a word boy. Infidelity. Infidelity, but what if you? What What's are you? Com- what are you doing? What's the noun version of infidelity? Banging. Or the verb version? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of uh, us, us book fans have a lot of sex. Can I just say? I bet. I've mm. I've heard that thing uh, very often. Of if you go to a guy's house and he doesn't have a shelf of books, do not sleep with him. Really? And, yeah, that's like a very common thing that a lot of people believe. Oh my god, I need to get a bookshelf. <laughs> well, what do you do if you've got a Kindle as well? I've got a yeah. Kindle. I've got eight million books on there. I'm the most sexable person in the world. <laughs> Digitally sexable. <laughs> yeah. I guess I just need to do it through like MSN Messenger or something. I can only have sex in chat rooms. <laughs> or if you bring someone home, you've got to somehow get the Kindle out and just sort of yeah. whirl through the books. Oh, 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 what this old thing <laughs> as I'm opening a drawer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, hang on. It's got a flat battery. Give me a second. <laughs> charge it up. Oh, but seriously, thanks for coming along and joining me uh, on the show. We're going to get to a classic in just a second, but uh, usually I ask people when they first appear on the show if they've ever been a big reader now or if they are a big reader now or ever been any time in their life. Because basically I started the show because I used to be when I was younger, dropped off completely and uh, forcing myself to read this way. So, Luca. Mm-hmm. Similar to you. Real similar. similar. Read a lot in high school and then for maybe a year or two after, read a lot and then just dropped right off. And then in, in about the last two years, 18 months, something like that, tried to get back into it. To pretty limited results, but I've read three books in the last eighteen months. Ah, any uh, any favourites? What's in the top three? <laughs> uh, I just finished um, Kitchen Confidential, Anthony Bourdain's book, which is good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I started by reading 
on the road because I was like, I was the same thing. I was like, oh, do some classics, you know, that'll get me into it. And then I read that and I was like, that was hard. <laughs> what about some easy books? <laughs> and then I read Norm Macdonald's book. Oh, I wanted to borrow that off of you when we were in Edinburgh. Hey, you can do that. Cool. Come over and look at my bookshelf nah, and see I've what happens. A, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Kindle. I'm more of a digital guy. I'm just going to finger you. <laughs> digital, digital, digital. Digits. It's a pun. Book readers love puns. That's what I'm imagining this book because it's been a long time since I've uh, committed to reading a book. It, it is a long time. So I was going to ask you the same question about, did you used to be a big reader though? Or yeah. When I was younger, I, I, obviously when I was younger, <laughs> in the future. Uh, when I, yeah. If you plan to be a big reader one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to read more. I just I don't make the time for it. I'm not going to pretend like I don't have the time because, of course, I have the time, but I don't make the time. Same as exercise and stuff like that. So I, I <laughs> what else? What else is on the list? <laughs> <laughs> Books, exercise, pretty much anything that can make me a better person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any any one of those like something you might list as a positive trait. Yeah, okay. That's something I really want to do. So, so what are you doing with your time? Well. Uh, oh, I you got a video it. game podcast? Yeah, I've got a, a video game. Have you read the Halo books? <laughs> no, I've never read any <laughs> video game novelizations. Not at this point. I've not delved down that hole. If you want real classics, get some of them on here. Pac-Man has a surprise ending. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I don't know how they spell, <laughs> but I'm interested to know. Uh, the last, genuinely, the last book I read this a couple of days ago. This isn't really read. Does a cookbook count? <laughs> Snoop Dogg's oh. cookbook. <laughs> Uh, I think that's the only cookbook that I will accept. <laughs> he he had, I, I think, probably had a ghostwriter help with a cookbook because I don't imagine him sitting down to write. I mean, I guess he writes, but I don't imagine him sitting down and writing this whole cookbook because it's pretty big and it's all like Snoop Dogg versions of so regular food. So it's like finizzle, real, use a little bit of yeah. shizzle. Yeah, apples. And you're like- Olive izzle. Yeah, like but yeah. then you don't know what he, he's talking about. Yeah. So it's impossible to read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's a shizazzle? What's a sismato? <laughs> is it a tomato or I should have picked something that had two. A tomato, there's no other it. thing that ends in ardo. <laughs> potato. Yeah, Damn yeah. it. Yes, I got it. Potato. I call them potatoes. E- everything you get out of the oven, do you have to drop it like it's hot? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the only Snoop Dogg song I could think of. <laughs> what else has he got? Uh, there's uh, Gin and juice is pretty easy to make. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good Damn. in there. <laughs> and now I'm dry. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, before we get into this podcast, we can talk about your podcast that you guys do together with Pete Jones, who I've also had on this show before, mm-hmm. uh, Ooh Spooky, mm-hmm. which is also very much book-based. Yeah. One single book called uh, Mysteries of the Unexplained. <laughs> That's it. It's a book we go through and it's full of like short spooky stories. It's one of those Reader's, Reader's Digest compilation books. It's got a whole bunch of different short spooky stories about like- Some about monsters, some about aliens, some about ghosts. Yeah. Some are just about coincidences. <laughs> yeah. Which a, a lot of them are about an obvious murder that someone tricked into- <laughs> yeah, yeah. A tricked a town into thinking was done by a ghost. <laughs> really? Or what like a yeti spontaneous or Spontaneous combustions that <laughs> yeah. are very easily explained. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's uh, a lot of fun to go through that old, and it's from like 1982 as well. So it is looking at the and, and describing these stories through the lens of someone from the early 80s. So sometimes those stories have a weirdly not modern bent to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Some of them will will be described in a way where you're like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a good time doing that podcast. Yeah, give it a listen. Mm. 
And, but I just want you pointed out to me before you started the, we started the show that you guys don't actually read it. It's always Pete who's in charge that of reading. True. We want to. We kind of came up with this idea where we would react to somebody else who'd read the book. <laughs> um, so it's just sort of this original idea we had where <laughs> we thought if some if someone else has read the book and describes it to us, we can sound as though we've read the book. But we don't actually have to read the book. Fantastic! That's I, uh, that's I a, love the sound that's a great of that. Idea. But it'll never work. No, probably not, because you'd have to read a book every week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of psychopath? <laughs> let me just, read let me about one percent <laughs> of a book every week. <laughs> <laughs> let me just tell you, it's killing, me. <laughs> it's killing me. No, so the book we are talking about this week is the Aldous Huxley book, Brave New World. Which I'm showing to you for some reason. Thank you. Yeah, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> <laughs> like a game show it's contestant. A, it's a penguin classic with. That's uh, right. That's probably from what eighties or something. It looks pretty old and well well beaten in. I think this might be from a nineteen sixties version. I brought from Whoa. the yeah nineteen sixty eight. This version. Wow, nice. Like, the Beatles were at their prime, at the height of the Beatles. They didn't have too long left. I was wondering why John Lennon was on the front of that book. But <laughs> now it makes sense. <laughs> it's got a cool psychedelic looking cover. Yeah, yeah it's like cool. that's a. Uh, Gleitzo is a French uh, crystal cubist. Wow. Ah, oh, a crystal thing. cubist. Yeah, which- uh, I've only ever seen crystals in ball form. Yeah, but no. <laughs> this is uh, taking uh, cubism to a whole new level. It's yeah. all about being flat, apparently. I will post an image of this this version of the book. Yes, that's what attracted me to it, because I, I do like the, the image there. So that's why I got this version. But um, yeah, so before we jump in, so basically people can suggest that I do classic books or novels or plays or whatever on this show. And this one has been suggested suggested by a lot of people mm. and I'd like to thank them really quickly now some great names on this list as there always is I'd like to thank for suggesting Brave New World Keenan Fry from Washington Josh Scar from Illinois Dania from Sydney Kieran from Canberra Malcolm from Canada Fidel Reyes from Texas Thomas from Austria Santiago Lopez from California Keenan Fry from uh, Washington as well Andrew Dolphin from Belgium hell yeah <laughs> Keenan Fry got two goes is that true? I think he yeah, was first true. and then there. <laughs> that means that Keenan suggested this twice out of frustration of me not doing it. <laughs> yeah, there could be multiple Keenan yeah. fries out there as well. Both from Both Washington. Washington. Yeah, There's a possibility. And they uh, love this book. Uh, Just one very uncreative parent <laughs> having two children. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, Keenan worked the first time. Uh, uh, Dafford Stone, who, would you believe it, is from Wales. I want to get back to Andrew Dolphin. This secret dolphin <laughs> who is smart enough to pretend to be a person, a but not smart enough suit. to come up with a surname that's not dolphin. Yeah. What's your name? Oh, Andrew. Yeah. Andrew. Andrew what? <laughs> Looks around the room and sees a mirror. Dolphin. I mean, human. Also not uh, smart enough to read a book for himself. So get me to do it. Please tell me about it. Uh, Stephen Edmonds from Melbourne. And finally, Amber from Newcastle. Thanks to all those people that suggested this one. It's probably one of the most requested ones I've done so far. And if you want to suggest book there's a link to a uh, little uh, little google form in the description of this episode if you want to request anything and then i'll thank you when i get around to it so thanks to those people all right brave new world let's do it oh i do a video games podcast as well we talked about who's spooky but i do that too i'm getting a plug in <laughs> yeah. before you can stop right. me. it's called filthy casuals and if you don't listen to it fine <laughs> but it's good it's well, about video games if you like video games rather than the books you're cooler well if you're wondering why I beeped out the previous 20 seconds Adam just tried to get a plug in and I will not let him get it also I'm a sponsor for uh, Timpson's Marmalade I couldn't think of a real product <laughs> I had to make one up I'm Andrew Dolphin style I messed that one up right at the end there's a piece of graffiti in my neighbourhood in Thornbury in Melbourne which says Aldous Huxley 
Right on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A little peace fingers. <laughs> that is so highbrow and lowbrow at the same yeah. time. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so, Brave New World. So, you guys, I've asked you off air. You yep. both read it, but many, many years ago. Was it a school-based thing, maybe? It was, yeah. 1984 was a school-based thing for me, and then I read this as well because a lot of people talk about them both in the same yeah, breath. Yeah, often paired. Yeah, yeah, damn right. So I uh, had read 1984 at school as well, but never Brave New World before. Which um, a little background here is a novel for people that don't know, written by English author Aldous Huxley, first published in 1932. Mm. So it's a bit older than 1984. Uh, Huxley, Quite 52 years. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> um, he wrote almost 50 books in his lifetime. But Brave New World is definitely his most famous and, as you mentioned, it's often uh, mentioned alongside George Orwell's 1984 as probably the two most influential dystopian novels. People love a dystopia these days as well. There's a yeah. lot of dystopian stuff out there on TV and in movies, the only thing forms of entertainment that I consume, uh, not books personally. <laughs> but um, the I, I wonder why that – because a lot of people say about this one, I don't remember anything about it as Okay, well. right. And I'm questioning now in my head if I actually read it when I was a kid or if I lied and said that I read it. Just believe it Yeah, and it's just that's the memory that's stuck because I've convinced myself because I don't remember details. But people talk about this as having the closer vision to the dystopia we live in as opposed to 1984. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Have you read 1984, Luca? I haven't, no. Okay, so – well, maybe we can talk about it at the at the end, and I don't yeah. want to spoil 1984 too much because that's also very commonly requested. And I'm sure I'll get to it uh, another another time. But yeah, they are definitely mentioned. There's just different ways of basically governments controlling okay. people. So our opening line from chapter one. Oh no, you're just going to read us the whole book. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> David, have somewhere to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the opening line is uh, a squat grey building of only 34 stories. Over the main entrance, the words Central London Hatchery and Conditioning Centre and, in a shield, the world's state's motto, Community, Identity, Stability. And so begins Brave New World. Damn. Exciting. Yeah. That's hooked me. That's that's like a description of my old school <laughs> that that's given me. Um, Saying like it's that. only 34 stories is good for voting. <laughs> it's like, damn, how big is this place? <laughs> this city must be huge. Yeah. If 34 is small by your scale, what's happening? <laughs> this is in like the 30s as well in, in Britain where I don't think anywhere went above like five stories. Yeah. You had to walk up it. And I know if I was in charge of town planning, everything would have to be one story. <laughs> Back when you had to walk up them. When elevators existed, go as high as you wanted. But, but sorry, lifts, since it's in London. But, yeah, okay. Where do we go from here? Well, our story starts in London with the Director of Hatcheries and Conditioning, or the DHC, a man giving a young group of male students a tour of the aforementioned centre. We quickly discover that the world of the novel is set in the future, where the year is referred to as AF632, or 632 years after Ford. It is 632 AF right now. Uh, Ford, referring to Henry Ford, founder of the Ford Motor Company. So he is worshipped a bit like a god because he created the first production line. Right, right, right. Wow. So it equates about to, in in, uh, our years, the year 2540 is when this is set. Okay. Mm. So, yes, because this this is written, unlike 1984, with a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff going on. Mm. 1984 is pretty straight-faced and pretty de- gloomy. Oh, depressing. man, it is pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. 
but so this has a bit of fun to it. Yeah, yeah, a bit of fun, like, oh, we're worshiping Henry Ford. Cool. I don't think I've read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Luca, any uh, bells being rung so far? The AF, the 632 thing rings a bell, sort of, but I reckon I remember about four words. I don't want to say them for spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> two of the words AF. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, the centre that the students are touring is a production line itself and is where human beings are now created. Ooh. People no longer procreate or get uh, pregnant themselves, but rather... Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to worry about it anymore, boys! <laughs> <laughs> Eggs are now fertilised en masse in basically a giant baby factory. Right, with one guy standing at the top looking real tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let me die. <laughs> I want to have a break. <laughs> we need more kids. <laughs> the first day was really fun. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I thought full-time hours were brief for me. But, <laughs> <whoa>. <laughs> uh, born in test tubes, the babies are given uh, one of fr- uh, five predetermined classes or castes. You're either an alpha, a beta, a gamma, a delta, or, or a an- cuck. A.K.A. <laughs> 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 <A-A-A> an epsilon. <laughs> alpha being the top and cuck slash e- epsilon being the bottom. <laughs> We're going to go with that. So that, that was ranked in terms of... Uh, Social status there. Right. This is ringing bells. Yeah. It reminds me of bloody probably year 10 or so. Oh, what a vibe. What were people Which gi- were you? Yeah, people giving Oh, it was an epsilon for sure. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so are they, I'm guessing they make more epsilons than the rest. Is it yeah. still a pyramid system? It is, it is a pyramid, yeah, right. with, with uh, alpha at the top. That's me. Oh, dude, me too, brother. Yeah. I'll fight after this alpha. to see who's yeah. the alpha yeah. alpha. The, the most alpha alpha. The world is split into five categories. Podcast host, podcast guest, <laughs> podcast producer, friend of the show, <laughs> and cuck. <laughs> listener. <laughs> Take that, Mr. Sorry. Dolphin. Sorry, is, is that what you call your listeners, cuck? Yeah. <laughs> no, we do a video game podcast, but not that bad. And on Spooky, we call them uh, nothing. <laughs> call them Spookies, but sort of unofficially. I guess so. Listeners, Epsilons from now on. <laughs> yeah, They'll have absolutely. no idea why that sudden change happened. <laughs> well, the students take notice. The director explains that the Gammas, Delta and Epsilons, the three lower class eggs, undergo what is called the Bokonovsky or Bokonovsky process, which splits the egg 96 times, meaning they can get 96 humans out of a single egg, all identical. For all three of those different ranks. Yeah, those classes, right. yeah. The director describes it as, quote, 96 identical twins working 96 identical machines. The principle of mass production at last applied to biology. I love that this book was written before robots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to come up with this much sci-fi stuff for how it happened and not be like, a machine just does all of it. <laughs> uh, the whole ch- This whole chapter, which basically is setting everything up, there's lots of description from the director about these scientific breakthroughs or all these crazy things that they've done over the previous 500 years mm. and how they've managed to speed up and perfect the process of creating life basically in an assembly line itself. There's another technique called the pod snap technique. Pod snap? Damn. Podcast. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That allows hundreds of babies to be born from uh, the same man and woman. That's when they give birth to a baby, the pod snap technique, but halfway through the birthing process, there's an ad for mattresses. (laughs) (laughs) Discount code pod snap. (laughs) And then another man uh, named Henry Foster, who works at the plant, he comes over and tells the director and the students that the record at the factory that they have got out of one uh, sperm and over is 16,000 children. So Mm. they've really 
worked out a way to make this efficient. And they're all twins, those 16,000. Uh, those ones are not identical twins, but, yeah, they are all Oh, right, they're all, yeah. okay. Yeah. Wow. And it literally is an assembly line because once fertilised, the fetuses uh, travel in individual bottles on an assembly line, which rocks them for 237 days to sim- uh, stimulate or simulate movement of a mother before they are decanted, is how they refer to it, or born. The process is fertilising room, bottling room, the social predestination room, and then the decanting room. Right. And then if at the end of that he doesn't have a big shelf of books, you do not sleep yeah, with him. Do not. <laughs> uh, before being decanted, they are exposed to different conditions in their tubes to prepare them for their predetermined lives and social classes, which the DHC describes as, quote, their inescapable social destiny. Mm. So in the lower caste, they are deprived of oxygen and given alcohol to stunt their growth and lower their intelligence. Jeez. Woof. Huh. <laughs> I know. That is like, he did not sci-fi that one up. He just <laughs> took like a, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Aldous. Yeah, just drop a few uh, shots in there and uh, they'll work themselves out. <laughs> so the Epsilons are giving Collingwood scarves. <laughs> <laughs> And if they're going to live and work in hotter climates, they're exposed to heat. The chemical workers are exposed to fumes so they can tolerate them in the long run. And 70% of female fetuses are sterilized completely. Right. There you go. Damn. Wowie. It's- what a brave new world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You get it. You get oh, it. we get it. Okay. Now, that's pretty clever, actually. <laughs> we- right. And is that just- so why are the 30% not if they make. Or if they make every human through this production line process, how come 30% of women are still fertile? Well, sex is a big part of this world. Okay. So we'll get to that, I guess. Yeah. All right. Oh, we'll get to the sex. <laughs> well, if you've got Set enough books, <laughs> yeah. which it seems like you do. Yeah, I've got a few. <laughs> They're just not in shelf form. Does that matter? I mean, they're, they're piled There's high. big piles on the yeah. ground. <laughs> Probably also not sleeping that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, your bed's made of books. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the most eligible yeah. bachelor. <laughs> I thought you'd love this. <laughs> <laughs> Book blanket. Pages. Uh, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, I take them together. <laughs> Wake up, start reading immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then introduced to a third character, a certain Lenina Crown. Lenina mm. Crown, an important person to remember. She sounds like an alpha. Well, the DHC, our director, and Henry Forster, who was speaking to the students before, they introduced her to the students. Her job is to give vaccinations to the babies who will live in the tropics. Henry then publicly, publicly reminds her of their upcoming date that night. He says, 10 to 5 on the rooftop this afternoon, as usual. Very weird time to make a date for. <laughs> and their, their, their boss, the director, observes this and just says, ooh, how charming. <laughs> so it's a fun and open workplace. Yeah. Sure, yeah. They didn't have to sign a form or anything, yeah. I guess. That's, that's I look, maybe some of this is not like the world that we live in. Yeah, maybe some of it's a little bit new. <laughs> a little bit out there. They've got yeah. some ideas, do they? They're a little bit free and open. They are very free and open, which, again, we'll get to. But right. So that, that's chapter one, which basically sets everything up. How, how are you feeling after that? Yeah, okay. So basically, the, uh, the main ro- job of that is to make you th- realise, oh, we're not in Kansas yeah. anymore. Yeah. Big chunk of exposition. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, lots of scientific stuff that I've but glossed over a lot of stuff. I'm glad that they're all getting their vaccinations. That's important. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. No typhoid for Good. them. I, don't, I hate typhoid. Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing I can't stand. If a man has any typhoid on his shelf, you do not sleep with him. It doesn't matter how many books are there. So the the tour continues in the next chapter, and probably the most disturbing thing is the nursery, 
where the babies are given books and flowers and they seem happy at first, but then an alarm sounds and they're all exposed to a painful electric shock. Ooh. Babies. So what, what are these babies in a specific class? Uh, I think this is a mixture of of classes. Right. Actually, no, these are lower class papers. I know this because this is called the Neo-Pavlovian conditioning process, which will be repeated 200 times so that the babies associate books and flowers with pain and won't read later Mm. something that's not encouraged in their lower social classes that might decondition them. That's what happened to me. (laughs) 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 You pick up a book and you just start shaking. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man, that's that's brutal. Yeah, it's it's messed up. That's also kind of crazy that Pavlov's been around for that long. That he's in a book yeah. from nineteen thirty-two. Yeah, when was Pavlov? I guess before nineteen thirty-two. Hmm. Yeah, this is Neo Pavlov. End of the nineteenth uh, century uh, is my guess. Yeah, let's look him up. Well, they definitely had invented bells and dogs by the time <laughs> Pavlov was around. I know that much about him. He was born in eighteen forty-nine. Died in 1936. When was the Pavlova invented? Oh, good question. Was that based on him? How could it not be? Because <laughs> <laughs> for some reason everyone's been conditioned to think that Pavlovas are good. You don't yeah, like a Pavlova? I agree, they're bad. Do not like Yuck. a Pavlova. Give me a cheesecake any day. I'll eat uh, I'll eat flowers and a book, my two least favourite things before <laughs> I eat a Pavlova. <laughs> uh, Pavlov won the uh, Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine in 1904. Cool. Right. There you go. And Pavlova is named after Russian ballerina Anna Pavlova. Huh. How about that? Well, I- what did she do to get it named after her? Strawberries on the head. Ballet. <laughs> she danced into like a, fell into a whole bunch of different cakes. They all combined in the one like bucket that she fell into. So I was like, actually, this is not bad. Then everyone else was like, oh, it kind of is, but we'll have it at Christmas for some reason. There you go. Interesting. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, we're learning. We're learning on the job here. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's messed up what's happening to the babies. Yeah. And the babies are also exposed to messages whilst they sleep that unconsciously instills their social class, oh. either encouraging or discouraging aspiration. Okay, like, sing to a plant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're never going to be nothing, plant. Yeah. Never read a book, yeah. plant. Right. You'll never be a lawyer. <laughs> You're a cock, you stupid cactus. <laughs> <laughs> And then you move on to the palm tree and you're like, oh, sweet, sweet palm. You can do anything you want, palm. You're you're not going to look weird when they put you over foreshore of a town that's so far away from the tropics. No one's going to think you look weird at all in St Kilda. <laughs> uh, the lessons are repeated 120 times, three times a week for 30 months. So they're literally brainwashed from birth, the babies. Right. Uh, the tour then moves into the garden where hundreds of naked children are playing together. They encouraged to are encouraged to play together erotically. Okay. And the students are shocked and laugh out loud when the director explains to them that in the past this kind of sexual behaviour was discouraged amongst children. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So they really love sex in the future. Yeah, oh, they're big time. Big if time. you're a top-tier baby. Yeah. These are the special babies, the alphas and the betas. No, what, no. The, but the, the lower classes still. are also still encouraged to... To bang. I've Everyone brought so much into on. this world that I want to separate the babies <laughs> <Yeah>. already. <laughs> so, no, the okay. lower classes, because that distracts them as well. You know, they're giving into their animalistic right. desires. As long as they're not reading the Kama Sutra. Yeah, that's right. Do what they want. Sure. <laughs> Look at the pictures. <laughs> uh, one child is taken away to see a psychologist when he doesn't seem to be as into the behavior as the other children. Right. That's how into it they are. They think this child is acting strangely. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, something wrong with this six year old. <laughs> 
<laughs> and whilst the students are asking about how this could even be possible in the past for people to not be sexualized, the director is interrupted by a man named Mustafa Mond. Wow. Ooh. A powerful name. That is a good name. Mm. This guy's foreseen multiculturalism. What a cool guy. <laughs> Mustafa Mond. I reckon give him a couple of syllables in the last name, though, from the first. Mond. Mustafa Mond. I like Mond. It's, it's nice. I've never, I've never known that name before, but I really like it. No. He is one of the ten world controllers. Okay. He's the controller for Western Europe, where they these people live. So there's literally ten higher powers around the world that operate and control this world, and well, he is one of those So ten. they're the alpha, alpha, alphas. Al- so many alphas. You can't. Even, we don't have time. Yeah. That's why I shortened my surname to Mond <laughs> because I couldn't say how many alphas I was so you know. and my surname. Uh, the students are in awe of him. They really can't believe that they're meeting such a famous and powerful man. Uh, this is chapter three and quite complicated to portray in the way it's written because it jump cuts constantly between three separate conversations happening at the same time, mm-hmm. sometimes quite confusingly. Right. I, I think podcast listeners will be used to that. We <laughs> 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 can probably understand the concept. But when you're reading it on the page, you're like, hang on, who's saying that? You've got to keep track of it. It's very uh, – but it introduces uh, most of the main characters and explains the world a bit more. So I'll just quickly sum up these separate scenes individually and then in your mind just imagine that they were jump-cutting between the three. three. at once. This would have been easier if they'd have invented bold italics and underline in 1932. <laughs> yeah. You could have separated them. <laughs> Everything is literally in uh, quotation marks. So it doesn't help because they're all they're all quotes. <laughs> right. Uh, there's Mustafa Mond talking to the students. He tells them of the world before Ford, Henry Ford, and he talks very disparagingly of it. He mm. mentions things like Shakespeare and the pyramids, but the students have never heard of any of that. Oh, whoa. Books on history and religion are banned after all. Mond speaks of how in the past people had families and lived uh, together and that people had monogamous relationships and had uh, religion and things like God and heaven and how they used to drink and take drugs. Yuck. It's about this. But that has all since been replaced by the stability, keyword that is repeated many times throughout the book, of their new world and a new drug called Soma that allows people to escape pain. Okay. The director describes the drug as, quote, all the advantages of Christianity and alcohol, but none of their side effects. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, people on Soma all of the time. Yeah, often taking it. And they take what's called a Soma holiday where you take a large batch and basically you green out for 48 right. hours. I think I know a couple of comedians <laughs> who've been on Soma holidays before. Yeah. This is the, that was the, my main memory of the book. When you said to me, we'll be, I'll be telling you about Brave New World, I was like, oh, Soma. Soma. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my main associations for some reason. And there's a bar like in Brunswick or something called Soma. And every time I go past, I'm like, oh, Brave uh, New World. You're like, I get it. Yeah. Every time you're hearing like uh, a New Yorker talk to his mother, so, Ma! <laughs> it's also a great... I don't know if the listeners be into this, but there's a... It's like a white noise radio station on Spotify called Is Soma it- FM, <laughs> which helps you sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, that's cool. It sends you on a Soma holiday. Yeah. You can also get that on analog radio by just not going to a radio station. <laughs> uh, also in, the, in this world, the problem of old age has been dealt with and now people retain their youthful bodies and minds forever. Mm. Unlike before when people retired at 60 and were able to relax and think, work continues on forever, stopping people from having to suffer the indignity of sitting and thinking. We, we have that now. People do not retire at <laughs> no. 60 anymore. <laughs> Out of desperation. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to keep going. So that's one of the conversations. Another one is uh, that's happening. And meanwhile, we're also overhearing Lenina Crown, who we met earlier, mm-hmm. who is uh, going on her date with the aforementioned Henry Forster, the 10 to 5. 
She's getting ready and her friend Franny is telling her off for exclusively dating Henry Forster for the previous six months. She wonders what the director would think if she knew that Lenina was basically in an exclusive and monogamous relationship. Uh, so they're all poly. Yeah, something that is actively discouraged in the world of the novel as they are conditioned to believe that, quote, everyone belongs to everyone else. And prom- okay. promiscuity is encouraged as the norm. Yep. You can, you'll literally get in trouble if you, if you settle down with one person. Man, that, okay, I, I would hate that. I quite like being in a relationship sometimes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, this, this book's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't utopia. <laughs> I'm starting to think there might be some cracks showing up <laughs> in their idea of what this world is. <laughs> yeah, okay. That'd be really annoying. Just the, the amount of, 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 of admin that you have to do to be in multiple at times. I've always thought that. Oh, keeping balls in the air. Can't do it. Not with multiple people. <laughs> <laughs> One partner, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Try to put, put my legs on this bookshelf and um, ready to go. Uh, Lenina tells a friend that another man has in fact asked her out and she'll say yes to him to sort of shut up her friend. Right. His name is Bernard Marks. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, it's just a coincidence that he shares his last name with uh, philosopher Karl Marx, but there's nothing else in it, guys. <laughs> nothing to see here. <laughs> so Bernard Marx is another main character. No, oh, Bernard Marx, I hate him. Go out with Johnny Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some different ideas. <laughs> um, Fanny warns her that despite being an alpha plus, which is alpha plus, which is. Mm. Top, top, yeah, top. but that sounds like one of those things where you get an app and then you're like, oh, this isn't actually the whole app. <laughs> yeah, I have to subscribe. <laughs> yeah, There's exactly. Alpha Plus. Shut the ads. <laughs> <laughs> there is a fee. Alpha Plus, which would usually be desirable, but Bernard Marx is smaller than the others and has a reputation as being a bit of a loner. Uh, not a loner. But Lenina thinks he's sweet and decides she will go on a date with Bernard to go and visit the Savage Reservation, mm-hmm. which we will get to later on. Do you remember the Savage Reservation, mm-hmm. Luca? It rings a bell. Hmm. Soma. It's all coming back to you. <laughs> a savage reservation is when you go, get me a table at that restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing in puns. That's all I can add to this. No, I'm loving From it. the start. I'm loving it. <laughs> it's all it's been. <laughs> so that's the second of three conversations. Finally, and just imagine again that this is jump cutting between the three. The so final of the Wait, th- we, we had uh, sorry, Mustafa Mon. Mustafa Mon. Explaining, basically the giving the history and sort of like sort of shouting out to the stuff that we in our time and even in 1932 they knew, like the Shakespeare's, the Egypt's. Yeah. Even kind of- in 1932 they knew about the pyramids. <laughs> yeah, no, they knew about it. But it's, I think it's a little nod to, oh, I don't even know what this is in this world. Yeah, we got a little bit of Mond. A little bit of Mond. Then we had uh, Lenina getting ready for a date. Now she's going to date Bernard Marx as well as uh, Henry Forster. Because you don't want to be seen to be monogamous in this world yeah you do not want to see and finally the final of the three introduces us to bernard marx himself the aforementioned alpha plus but smaller man who's a bit of a loner okay he overhears a conversation between henry forster the one going on the date with lenina and another man henry tells the other guy that he too should quote have her sometime this really annoys bernard who hates the two men talking about lenina like she is a piece of meat and he's even more annoyed that she herself would see herself as a piece of meat because that's how they're all brought up. Right. Bernard Marx is clearly not like the others in Dita's this world. Lenina, this and they're about to cross paths. So <laughs> yeah, but a bit of a bloody free thinker, is he? Yeah, uh, hippie. Bit of a hippie dippy. We do not like hippies, other than the ones who all sleep together. <laughs> yeah. Those ones are fine. But if you're a hippie in the way that you're a conservative, I guess in this world, no, no, no. It's all been bloody flipped on its head, Knox. This world is get ready. <laughs> Strap in. All right, I'm ready. 
So Lenina runs into Bernard in a lift at work and accepts his date invitation. He blushes and suggests that they should talk about it somewhere privately, which confuses... More private than a lift. <laughs> <laughs> it actually confuses Lenina because in this world, everyone can ask anyone out and basically you pretty much have to say yes because everyone right. belongs to everyone else. That's, that's basically how it works. So it's not that you can choose to belong to everyone. You kind of are obligated to... Yeah, there was mm. someone in that also conversation between Henry and the other man that was pissing off Bernard, mm. one of them was talking about how I had to ask this girl out for three months before she said yes. Imagine if the director knew about that. I can't, right. So, yeah. And is it focused on the men kind of being like that with the women deliberately or is it because it's written in the 30s? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it, no it's, hard to t- it's hard to tell. Right. Okay. Hard to tell, yeah, what's 30s and what's 2540s. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she's confused. When he's like, we should talk about this later. But she has to rush off for her date with Henry, which is in a helicopter. At 10 to 5. Yeah, right. A lot of people have helicopters in this world. Nice. That's sick. <laughs> it is. That bit I like. All right, I'm back on board. <laughs> okay. I, I like that we haven't moved past the helicopter as well. <laughs> when you see it in the sky, you're like, that is one of the most outdated looking. <laughs> Make a move fast and it'll go up. <laughs> I don't know anything about aviation, obviously, <laughs> but it's still they, that's it. they look old fashioned yeah, to they, me now. Yeah, right. In twenty five forties you'd have thought maybe jets. Yeah, something hover jets. <laughs> Hadn't even dreamed of it. Jetpacks. That's is, a hover jet. Is thing about hover, hover people's jetpacks. brooding habits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not enough about flight. <laughs> if you could all just get up for a minute, <laughs> all right, we'd be able to do something better than this helicopter. People keep dying. <laughs> They're not safe. Well, they go on a pretty sweet date, actually. They fly over London, which was nice. something that would actually be great. Yeah. Then we uh, visit Bernard, who gets in his own helicopter, and he's getting it ready. We learn more about him as an Alpha Plus, who should be much bigger than he is. He's so much smaller than a regular Alpha that he finds it difficult to get lower cast to follow his orders, as he's basically the same size as them. Oh, so they're all different. Yes. Right, so okay. the ones that have been oxygen-starved and alcohol right, poisoned right. are a bit, a bit smaller, and he's humiliated because they don't believe that he is a higher class than them. Right. Imagine being small. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. The worst possible thing. Uh, get in your helicopter and come up here and say that, mate, please. <laughs> We've all got helicopters <laughs> for some reason. There's enough space in every building for people to park their helicopters. <laughs> I just want to quickly describe the image of a world where everyone flies helicopters so the traffic reports are done from cars on the ground <laughs> looking up at the helicopters going like, yeah, it looks like trouble up there today. <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry no. to pause the podcast. Uh, we, we needed that. We needed to know that. <laughs> that that was going in your mind. So Bernard flies over to meet his friend Helm Holtz Watson, a fellow alpha who is very intelligent and the right size for his status. Okay. He is a lecturer. And there's another one of the few in this world that questions his existence. Unlike everyone else, both of these men believe themselves to be individuals and Helmholtz aspires to be a writer. Sure, he writes for the society, but he wants more creativity, but he's just unsure how because no one's ever taught to be creative. Right, so they don't have fiction. No, stuff like that, no. Okay, right. I don't like the sound of that world. I've heard that fiction books are good. (laughs) I also love a... Him inserting that in, like, if I was in this world, I'd be the coolest guy. Yeah. <laughs> they all want to be like me, a writer. R- writers are cool. <laughs> and Henry was the right size. <laughs> Everyone thought he was great and he's a professor. And <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Uh, Bernard then gets a flying taxi and drive. I mean, flying taxis. Helicopter? For that. Not a helicopter. It was basically a helicopter. Okay, a right. taxi, taxi helicopter. helicopter. Taxi helicopter. 
and they drive past the giant clock called Big Henry. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's even changed the clock to have the name of the writer character he's inserted in. The clock's named after me, (laughs) Big Henry. So it's Big Henry. Because of Henry Ford. Henry Ford, that's right. And instead, on the hour, instead of bonging, it yells, Ford, (laughs) Ford. (laughs) I mean, there's some pretty funny bits in here. That is extremely on the nose, but so that's written to be funny. Yeah, that's like, imagine how wanky this world is. Yeah, okay. And at midnight, it's Ford 12 times. Ford. Ford. What time is it? Ford. Uh, wait, sorry. Let me let me have another run at that one. Uh, here we go. What time is it, Luca? Ford. No, say four. I don't know how okay, I expected okay, you to okay. know that. Here we go. Okay. Give me the script. What time is it, Luca? Four. Oh, it's one. There we go. And that's what you call I'm a not sketch. a clock. I'm a man. What a great scene. Thank you. Thank you very much. We were in a helicopter at the time in that one as well. So that's why we were yelling. I can't hear you. Just look at Big Henry. Uh, Bernard Here I am. Ford. Uh, Bernard attends the Fordson Community Singery. Uh, <laughs> Which is a religious ceremony dedicated to Ford. <laughs> what, uh, what type of car drove past the cafe Aldous Huxley was riding this in? <laughs> Aldous Huxley. They make the sign of the T. The Model T. After the Model T Ford, instead of the sign of the cross. Also, crosses have had the top part cut <laughs> off of them, so they're now just giant T's. Right. That's convenient, <laughs> yeah. at least. I don't know what you do with, like, a Star of David. <laughs> But you can you can at least play that apply that to a to a crucifix. Yeah. Is this book sponsored by Ford? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I'll give you a free car. I feel like this would have really really pissed off Henry Ford when it came out. <laughs> he would have hated it. Yeah, was he still alive in thirty two? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he died in 1947. So fifteen long years of hating Huxley. <laughs> <laughs> They are, at this ceremony. They have hymns and basically pray to Ford, all whilst taking the one one ton rodeo. <laughs> I think that's a holding. Don't care, man. <laughs> I'm happy with that one. It's still a good car yeah. song. <laughs> I named a car, <laughs> and they're all absolutely cacked out on the wonder drug, soma. Mm-hmm. Bernard's not really into it, despite the soma, but everyone else is really into it in the room. A woman makes a toast to Ford's coming, and then everyone else does, and the page has the word coming written on it more than any porno script I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> and I've read a lot of porno scripts. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you actually have. <laughs> yeah, right. When I used to do my uh, segment, Is It Porn? <laughs> I used to scour those scripts. <laughs> then they all sing the Orgy Porgy song. Okay. The lyrics are orgy porgy, Ford and fun. Kiss the girls and make them one. Boys at one. Didn't think you were going to say one. (laughs) (laughs) Boys at one with girls at peace. Orgy porgy gives release. I love the copy of the book that I have that I got at the secondhand bookstore because under this paragraph it says in red pen in capital letters, ends in sex intercourse. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's written that in. Is that the only note in the whole (laughs) book? And they've just underlined it and then given it a big tick. (laughs) I reckon that's when they stopped reading. (laughs) They got pretty sleepy after that one. (laughs) (laughs) Or it was like an embarrassing day in the class where they had to read this book and everyone else kind of went like, and of course, then they have sex after that. And he went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. 
What kind of sex? Sex intercourse. Sex intercourse you're talking about. Not the other. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sex intercourse. I know. I know. I'll give it a tick because I know. <laughs> so basically, the orgy porgy song is what they sing before they actually have an orgy. And afterwards, a woman asks if Bernard thought it was as wonderful as she did. And he lies and says yes, but really feels more isolated than ever. Damn, that's when you can feel the most alone is when you're surrounded by an orgy. (laughs) (laughs) It just zooms out and you're standing on your own at an orgy. That sounds like a bad Zach Braff movie (laughs) type of thing to happen. Like The Office, but a guy at the orgy just looking at the camera like, (laughs) (laughs) that's so fun. Tim and an orgy. (laughs) Looking at someone else with Pam. <laughs> 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 that's a different show, but you know yeah, what I, mean. I still like it. So, that's the orgy porgy. Mm. A few weeks go past and then Lenina, we cut to her. She's thinking back on the time we've just missed. I kind of like as well. Sorry, I just realised that yeah. orgy porgy and that like kind of fun kiddie song, they would have been singing that since they were kids. So, it's like this yeah. childish mm. song. And it's just been sort of brainwashed into them. Yeah, like, you like know, that. you hear the orgy porgy, it's time for an orgy porgy. Yeah. Do you reckon Lenina is a Lennon? Uh, thing. Uh, do we meet another character called like Trotsky Jim? <laughs> Trotskina? <laughs> Trotskina. Uh, sadly not. Ah, oh, damn it. But we do meet someone <laughs> called um, Jim. <laughs> really? <laughs> Is it Jim? Not many names. <laughs> yeah, the names haven't changed a lot in 500 years either. Also, they actually talk about, so Lenina, her housemate or mm. friend Fanny, also last name Crown, but it says no relation as there's only 10,000 names in this world. Mm. That's probably close to the, that how sound, many names like, do we have? I know. It could be heaps more. Yeah, I guess so. Once you factor in the, the ridiculous ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many words are there? Does anyone know All right, let's that? count them. Okay. A, aardvark, <laughs> an, ant. I think I might have skipped a You've few. You've skipped a few. You've gone straight to AM. <laughs> I'm on uh, wordcounter.io, the English dictionary. It's gone through there and apparently there are 171,000 words. And that's just in English, right? Okay. And that's in current use and they also count 47,000 obsolete words. Oh, okay. Wow. What's an obsolete word? Like, uh, like uh, Windows? <laughs> yeah, like the co- computer. I was trying to think of a technology oh, that was my older space, up. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's MySpace. <laughs> it's way better. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying, because we're in a studio that obviously has no window, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Knox is feeling trapped. <laughs> if, you, if you said MySpace, we would have probably ended the pod here because it's not getting any better. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Luca combined, no, we, we, we're not giving there. it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey team, just Dave here telling you that this episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Now, if you're not familiar with Audible, Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now, with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. Audible members can choose three titles every month. You get one audiobook and two Audible Originals that you can't hear anywhere else. If you are an Audible member, you can listen on any device, anytime, anywhere, at home, on your commute. You're walking around the block, on the go, you'll get easy, audible exchanges, rollover credits, and an audible library that you keep forever, even if you cancel. Now, I am an audible member, and what I've been listening to this week, would you believe it, is Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, the book we're talking about in the show right now, if you haven't been paying attention. Now, I did read the book from cover to cover, but then I also went back and uh, listened to the audiobook on Audible, narrated by Michael York, that you might remember. He's a famous actor that's been in lots and lots of stuff, but I don't know him as Basil from the Austin Powers trilogy. Well, he does a great rendition of Brave New World where he 
reads the text, but he also does different voices for different characters. And particularly in chapter three, the chapter I talked about, where it cuts between three different conversations. And it's a bit hard when you're reading on the page to tell who's talking throughout the chapter. He made that a lot easier for me to understand. So if you want to get a different perspective on Brave New World, that's my tip this month. The one narrated by Michael York on Audible. Now, if this all sounds good and you want to get started with Audible, you can get started with the 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. All you have to do for that 30-day trial, go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Audible will know you came to them through me and bookcheat. They'll keep sponsoring the show. You'll get your 30-day trial. You'll love it. And everyone is a winner, baby. That's the truth. So one more time, audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Thanks, Audible. Now back to Brave New World. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, a few weeks go past, Lenina, Lennon, whatever you want to call her. Mm-hmm. And she's looking back on the time we've just missed. She flashes flashes back on her first date with Bernard, and they did go on a date. Mm. And she does now think him to be a bit strange. He refused to take sober at first, which no one would do, but eventually did, and then they had sex. But the next day he told her that he regretted it and would have preferred a more serious adult relationship. Huh. And she freaked out about that a little bit. I mean, she- that would be pretty intense in a world where no one's ever said that. Yeah. Like, it's pretty weird when someone's like, hey, so what are we in this world? Yeah. But in a world where no one ever says, what are we? You're like, <laughs> So what are we? Um, I don't understand the question. Yeah. Well, and it's also like a relationship construct that hasn't existed for hundreds of years. It's like if someone these days was like, oh, do you want to move into the woods and raise some goats and stuff? It's like, <laughs> yeah. I just want to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we can do that. Just in the woods with some goats and some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but in this world, they actually blush and are shocked when you mention a word like mother or father or marriage. Like it's become... It's taboo. It's taboo. It's like a risque to mention that right. in anything but a scientific context. Sure. They all go, oh, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so she's freaked out by him putting her on the spot a bit, but she thinks about cancelling her plans with him who's invited her to go to this savage reservation in New Mexico. Another man has asked her to go to the North Pole for their holiday, but she's already been there, so she sticks with Bernard. How good are these helicopters? <laughs> really good. Really wow. Good. They're good-ass helicopters. You can go anywhere, man. I guess you can go anywhere in a regular helicopter, but not quick. Yeah, not fast, but they, they can go anywhere fast, I imagine. Cool. So she's like, I'll go with Bernard, even though he's a bit of a clingy weirdo. We'll go to the reservation. Uh, but to go to the reservation, Bernard has to get permission from the director. The director approves the permit for Bernard, and as he's handing it over, he tells him the story of how once when he went to the reservation 20 years earlier with a woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty tired tonight, Bernard. Yeah, <laughs> we up all night. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to the reservation. Yeah, been there myself, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
went to Bone Town on the way. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, you have fun, though. You have fun. Yeah. I, would, I guess there would be no, like, sex bragging in this world because it's like, yeah, we all had an orgy at church. I bet there still is. <laughs> Every Like, even if someone sex brags in this world, you're like, we know what you're talking about. <laughs> sex is not that rare. <laughs> But I had sex. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah. You I wouldn't read about it. Whatever people sex brag as well, it is like going, even this guy, <laughs> yeah, this yeah, guy, yeah. an idiot, managed <laughs> to do it. Can you believe it? <laughs> so he, he tells the story. He went there with a woman. While they were there, a terrible storm hit and they were separated and the woman was lost. Whoa. It's all very mysterious, and realising that he's said too much, the director quickly changes tone and subject and tells Bernard that he's watching his weird behaviour outside of work, and if he doesn't change his attitude soon, he'll be sent to work in Iceland. Mm. That's, that would have been such a weird, like, yeah. and then the storm came in. I was there with her. We were fucking all night <laughs> before, but then afterwards she went missing completely. <laughs> And uh, if you don't pick it up a little bit, I'm going to kick you out like she <laughs> happened in the storm to her. So that's such a strange a change. Real tonal shift. You ever eaten noodles before, by the way? Be like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Are we talking noodles now? <laughs> yeah, I ate some noodles myself once. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty tired today. Was up all night eating noodles, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> But if you don't change your behaviour. <laughs> but Bernard, once he leaves, he loves being told off for being too individual and even brags about it to his friend Helmholtz. He's a bit of a bad boy. He's loving mm, that. Bernard is out there. He's loving it. So, Lenina and Bernard fly to the reservation in New Mexico and are greeted by a warden who gives them a very long speech about the place. A real bombshell here is that on the reservation, people still give births to humans. Oh. So, people that they refer to as savages live in this reservation. Right. Okay. So, it's Basically, a, a term for the people that live outside of their controlled society. So, this 30% of women who are still fertile, they're not giving birth ever. No, so they're taking soma as well as a very controlled. Uh, right. Uh, contraceptive. Contraceptive. Control, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> I think it's because you'd already said control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hang on, control? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're on a high dose of contraceptive. Right, right, right. At all times. Okay. And they've, uh, they've, they've been brainwashed to actually t- take it. There's a, a time when Lenina is absolutely off her face on Soma, but it says she remembers to take it because it's just been instilled in them. That's that neo no Pavlovian Yeah, no matter how game. high you are, you still remember to take That's the one thing that your body just does. Yeah. So, But on this reservation, people still give, give birth to humans, which is something that no one else does anywhere else. Then our bad boy, Bernard, remembers he left a tap on at home. Oh, bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> and not just any tap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I left the tap on. <laughs> it's not just any tap. It's his cologne tap, <laughs> which he claims will be very expensive if he leaves it on. So he's got to go back. <laughs> So he calls his old mate Helmholtz and asks him to go around to his place to turn off his tap for him. Helmholtz gives our main man some bad news. The director has apparently decided to follow through on his threat and send Bernard to Iceland when he gets back. What has Bernard done while he's been away, though? The director's just... He's just cracked walked it. away and he's gone, Oh, no, actually, oh, get Bernard out of yeah, here. Get him out. No, no, I said I wouldn't, but I hate that guy. He always stinks of cologne. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's got it on tap. <laughs> like those bars where you're like, oh, it's got espresso martini on tap. Yeah, we should yeah. go somewhere else. Well, his courage vanishes and he starts to panic about being you know, exiled. Mm. He's no longer such a bad boy. 
What does he do? Well, he panics so much that Lenina <laughs> has to give him Soma to calm him down. Oh, wow. Then they visit the Savage Reservation, which I'm saying in quotation marks. That's exactly what it's referred to. Right. Accompanied by an Indian guide. So it's not ex- explicitly said, but these are sort of, I imagine, a take on a Native American type tribe that's just lived in their own society for hundreds of years, uninterrupted basically by the, this uh, controlled outside world. Right. Lenina has forgotten her soma, so she has to experience everything without her usual drug-fueled haze, mm. which she's not happy about. The world is very strange to them anyway, as they've never seen people who look old before, and they also see mothers feeding babies for the first time. They witness a traditional ceremony that involves a boy being whipped until he passes out, and this upsets Lenina. Well, jeez. I was with you up until the whipping. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yep, yep, feeding a baby. This absolutely cool. Yeah, <laughs> I can get on. it. Why is that so, okay. Hard to get on board there. No. Uh, yeah. an adult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go yeah. for it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lenina would probably be into that. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> a young blonde man named John approaches our couple. He's completely dressed in Indian dress, but he does not look like the others around him. They are surprised when he is able to communicate them in perfect English. And boy, does he communicate a pretty wild story. His story is that his mother, Linda, was from a place outside of the reservation but fell over whilst visiting about 20 years ago and was only rescued by the local people who nursed her back to health and then gave birth to him, John, on the reservation. I said Jim earlier. I meant John. Right. <laughs> yeah. Are they When she fell over, are they like on sort of uh, walks over the reservation type of thing? Like how are they travelling through the reservation? Oh, just walking through it. It is a sort of a rocky outcrop and then a storm okay. hit. They were separated. I think so she fell over and broke her leg or something. A storm hit and they were separated. Yeah. Okay. That's oh. familiar. I've heard that story before from a certain Lothario who loves to bang. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, John knows few details about his father, but knows he is also from the outside world and is often referred to by his mother as Tomakin. Bernard puts two and two together and realises that John's father is Tomakin, a.k.a. Thomas, a.k.a. the bloody director. Whoa. Is that what you were thinking? I was not. I thought that this was (laughs) Axel Rose's kid, (laughs) the future Axel Rose, (laughs) where his name came to me from. I think I was still thinking about flowers from earlier and how I'm afraid of them. Huh. Okay. So no wonder he didn't want to want Bernard coming back with. Yeah. Stories. He's like, oh, hang on. He knows too much. Yeah. But Bernard keeps this information to himself. He doesn't tell John, the uh, blonde Indian, what's going on. John introduces Bernard and Lenina to his mother Linda, who is aged naturally and is wrinkled and overweight, which upsets Lenina because he's never seen anyone look like this before. Right. She explains to them, this is Linda, that she was already pregnant when she arrived after something went wrong with her contraception, and because she couldn't get a- an abortion in her new home in the village. She didn't want to take John back to the outside world for fear of being ridiculed, so she raised him on the reservation and she taught him English. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she, she's kept her outside values, however. She brags about this and she sleeps with other women's men, which has caused her a bit of trouble on the <laughs> reservation. She's like, don't worry, I haven't forgotten my values. It's my culture. <laughs> yeah, I still bang everyone. She just sounds Swedish, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, John seems fascinated with the outside world, listening to his mother's stories about it. He's never been fully accepted by the Indians as one of them and feels like an outcast here as well. Mm, That's hard. One of his mother's lovers named Pope or Pope once gave him an edition of the complete works of Shakespeare, which John became obsessed with and memorised and it's influenced his feelings on the world. It also inspired him to attempt to kill Pope, although he failed. <laughs> I love Shakespeare's play, Let's Kill Pope. Yeah. <laughs> Pope must die. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Bernard invites John back to the other world with them, and John agrees as long as he can take his mother Linda as well. John doesn't know this, but Bernard secretly hopes that by bringing back his son, he can embarrass the director who planned to exile him to Iceland. So yeah. a bit of blackmail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John is excited and recites a quote from The Tempest, a line where Miranda says, Oh, brave new world that have such people in it. And that's where the title, Brave New World, comes from. He stole it. Stolen. <laughs> and The Tempest, I covered that in last week's episode of Book Cheat. And uh, huh. basically that's why I decided to do this one this yeah. week. as a follow-on from last week. That's crazy. Yeah, that exact line is repeated by John a few times throughout the book in differing contexts. In this one, it's a positive context. Right. But it's not always positive. Oh Foreshadowing. Lenina <laughs> <laughs> gets <Ford> some... shadowing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lenina gets some Soma. She gets it somehow and decides to check out on a Soma holiday and just passes out, whilst Bernard flies back to Santa Fe to call Mustafa Mond. Mond agrees that John and Linda should be brought back to be studied and organises a safe passage back for them. But John thinks they've left without him when he hears the helicopter leave and he breaks into Lenina's room only to find her completely passed out, reminding him of that scene in Romeo and Juliet when uh, Romeo discovers Juliet also passed out. He, uh, I don't remember this bit, though. He rifles through her things. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like that scene where Romeo robbed Juliet. <laughs> Where's your wallet? <laughs> he's also tempted to touch her but stops himself. A little bit creepy. Yeah. Well, he's got some of the old world in him, I guess, but that's not genetic. That's that's something they get taught at birth. Okay. So they the, the, when the, 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 quote, savage reservation, they don't find the people there to be uh, threatening or dangerous or like, oh, they, they threaten our way of life. They're just like, isn't this quaint? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's like going to a zoo exhibition, basically. Right, right, right. You just see how other people live and then you go back to your, to your, own, your own safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in London, we find the director telling his colleague Henry that he plans to fire and exile Bernard publicly. He wants to humiliate him by doing it in front of several high-profile workers to set an example for the rest. Mm-hmm. He cannot stand for Bernard not acting on his desires, which threatens stability and the very fabric of society. Bernard returns home and the director confronts him as he said he would and tells him that he is being sent to a, quote, sub-centre of the lowest order. But Bernard basically says checkmate and brings in Linda, whose aged appearance shocks everyone, and then they get even more hysterical when she recognises him as Tomakin and tells him that she had his baby and that she is a mother. And the whole room is shocked that she even mentions the word mother. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is like some, um, what's his name? That guy. Huh. Come on. With that description, <laughs> you, you must have me it. more than that. Maury Povich. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Kyle show, like, this is that going on now. Everyone's like, oh, the bouncers have to come in. Yeah. Yo! <laughs> the episode, it just says in the corner, the director is secretly my father. <laughs> Bernard's, like, doing the worm. <laughs> Can I touch Steve's head? Uh, then her son, John, comes in and falls at the feet of the director and calls him father, causing the entire room to erupt with laughter. Humiliated, our director runs out of the room. <laughs> oh, man. That's so yeah. weird. Basically, he needs to demand a DNA test like yeah. they always do on those shows. <laughs> the director has to resign in disgrace and Bernard is allowed to keep his job. His plan worked. John becomes very famous and is referred to as, quote, the savage, and Bernard is popular by association for bringing him back, and he too becomes famous in this world. He even brags to his friend Helmholtz about all the sex he's now having with the hotter people that want him. So people do still brag about sex in the world. Yep. 
Helmholtz is unimpressed, so Bernard decides to drop him as a friend. He thinks he's too famous for Helmholtz. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs old Helmy? But he really lets his fame go to his head and he sends Mustafa Mond, the powerful controller, a letter lecturing him about society and how the savage's naivety has pointed out a few things that he thinks need changing in the world. This really annoys Mustafa Mond, who vows to teach Bernard a lesson. Okay. So he's he's like, I'm famous now. Not even Mond can can touch me, baby. Yeah. This then- is like when when famous people will get up and go like, so I actually, I'm not a scientist. I'm an actor. <laughs> Here's what we do about global warming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lenina has a big crush suddenly on the savage John and is unsure if the feeling is reciprocated. The two go on a date together to a feely, which is like a cinema, but you can feel and smell what's happening in the story. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Such an old-fashioned future thing. Yeah. I love that. You can feel yeah. what's happening. It's like a talkie, but you can feel. <laughs> First they bring a sound, now they bring a touch. <laughs> I like a play. <laughs> like a play that you're ruining. <laughs> At the end of the date, Lenina is surprised when John refuses sex with her and instead locks himself in his room to read Othello. Oh. She responds by taking lots and lots of Soma. That's how she responds to everything. Yeah, yeah that's, that's her answer to everything. Meanwhile, John's mother, Linda, has basically checked out on her return and is on a permanent Soma holiday. She can't really handle the reality she's come back to. Mm-hmm. So she's now taking dangerously high levels of the drug. Sorry, Linda is. Yes, Linda, the mother. Right, who's... Right. And she wouldn't have had Soma for a long time. No, so she hasn't had it for 20 years. Yeah, okay. Which is why she's old and right. a bit haggard. So Soma <laughs> keeps you young as well. Yeah, so it's... That's that's how they're doing it. It's not a separate drug. No, it's modified to keep you young and make you feel young. I don't know. Sounds all right. <laughs> You'd be up for a bit of Soma? Look, not at this point. If I was like 20 still, but if I was to stick at this point, everyone would think I was old anyway. <laughs> There's no point now. <laughs> You'd just rather age now. Yeah, I'd rather just age more. <laughs> Once an ice block's already half melted, it's no longer an ice block, is it? <laughs> well, you're hoping no for, point freezing yeah, it again. You're hoping for it's, a glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bernard organises a lot of famous people to come round to meet John. Uh-huh. He's mixing with the famous types now. But this plan spectacularly backfires when John refi- refuses to leave his room and meet them. Who is famous in this world now too? Like, Because there's not really, there's not stories anymore. They don't do. No, well, I mean, there's, I guess, people in the feelies, mm. this sort mm. of actor's. So they still have that? feelies, but what are they? What are they about? Because wasn't didn't this world not really have fiction anymore? Yeah, well, there's still stories. They are the one. The, one of the ones they mentioned does end in like just a lot of graphic sex, right? So there's yeah. pornos. Yeah, so it's feely pornos. Okay, basically. right. So the porn stars are the famous. Yeah, they're famous, now. and also there is still the media. So people report on things. So that's how uh, people know about John the Savage. Right, right, it's right. It's like in the in all the media. So it's sort of like TMZ and pornos. Rule the world. Okay. Now Utopia? I can talk about yes. this. It sounds great, right? Yeah. No. All, the, all the best parts of culture. Yeah. Uh, so John won't come out to meet the famous people, which really embarrasses Bernard and uh, his short-lived popularity is over. They drop him. Mm. Bernard goes back to his old, hel- old pal Helmholtz, who accept- ex- accepts his old friend back. Helmy is introduced to John and the two get along really, really well. John starts reading Shakespeare to him, but Helmholtz laughs at Romeo and Juliet. He can't handle the concept of a mother and father and marriage. And this upsets John, who holds Shakespeare very, very dear. So, yeah. Just innately laughing at the concept of marriage is still something we do today. <laughs> uh, you are my wife, huh? <laughs> ah, well, you're meant to hate him a bit. <laughs> That's still comedy now. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's your comedy now. Yeah, that's what I do. Nah, I like my wife. Don't have a wife, but <laughs> I like if my. Did if I did, I'd hope I liked her. <laughs> well, Anina becomes a bit obsessed obsessed with John. I think mainly because he's knocked her back, and no one ever knocks her back. Mm-hmm. And her friend thinks she's crazy when she tells her that she only wants John now and no other man. Damn. She Damn. she Johnny. meets the one man she Johnny can't have. <laughs> Johnny out there. Damn, you savage, John. <laughs> 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 she meets up with John and gets more than she bargains for because John starts quoting Shakespeare at her, telling her this kid loves Shakespeare. how much she, he loves her and that they should get married. But this commitment really freaks her out. So she's like, I really want him. And then he's like, I really want you. And she's like, why didn't you say I really wanted you? And then he says, how about we get married? And she's like, I don't think I want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she still moves in and starts taking her clothes off, which terrifies John. It seems no one really... Uh, 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 uh. Is this a tin I see before me? Uh. <laughs> Trying to think of more Shakespeare. Uh, to bone or not to bone. Yeah, yeah. Um... If you, I was going to say, if you prick me, do I not come? <laughs> <laughs> but basically, no one knows what they want here. They're, they're hot, they're cold, they're hot, they're cold. A blowjob, a blowjob, my kingdom for a blowjob. Uh, somebody once told me the world was going to. Is that Shakespeare? What? Somebody once told me the world was going to roll me. I believe that was him. That was the bard, was oh, it not? I'm um, being stupid. That is good stuff. <laughs> Hell yeah. So he calls her a whore and slaps her away, actually. A whore, a whore, my kingdom for a whore. Yeah. Well, he starts quoting from King Lear about womankind. Oh. He really is a nightmare to be around. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, God. Does it he, would be awful. Does Especially- it mention his ponytail or is that <laughs> <interesting>? <laughs> yeah, We just know. There's a vibe there. Also, I love no one's ever heard of Shakespeare, which people that know Shakespeare, it's confusing enough, but just saying it out of context, people are like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lenina locks herself in the bathroom for safety as he continues to rant about her. But then she hears the phone ring and John answers it quickly before running out of the apartment. What's happening here? Wow. Hmm. All a bit confusing. It turns out the call was to John and that his mother, Linda, is dying in hospital. Oh, no. He races to the hospital to be by her side and lashes out at children in the ward who gawk at his dying mother and ask about her fat and aged appearance. Mm-hmm. The children are there for death conditioning. So that they get used to the sight of death. Oh, right. Mm. John even strikes one child and a nurse comes over, her biggest concern being that the children's death conditioning has been interrupted. Not that he's just punched a child in the face. They need their punch conditioning as well. (laughs) (laughs) Linda dies after failing to recognise her son at first and John is an emotional mess and leaves the hospital. Mm. It's all falling apart. John then goes on a bit of a rampage, yelling at the Deltas lining up to collect their Soma rations, telling them to stop taking the drug as it's poisoning their minds and they're they're all brainwashed. They ignore his pleas, so he takes matters into his own hand and throws their Soma out the window. Damn. It's like that scene in Georgia the Jungle when he goes to New York. (laughs) (laughs) I actually imagine this... Uh, do you remember the the film Jungle to Jungle? Yes, yeah. Tim Tim yeah. Allen. Yeah. yeah, and he just the kid starts just pissing in a pot plant in, in like in an office. Yeah, that's what I imagined the whole time with this guy. <laughs> 
So a riot breaks out because everyone doesn't have their Soma. The person in charge of handing out the Soma calls Bernard and Helmholtz, because they're famously friends with this guy, to tell them what's going on. They race down to find an angry mob turning on John. Helmholtz immediately defends his friend, but Bernard hesitates as he he's scared for his own life. Mm. And then he feels shame for not wanting to protect his friend. Yeah. The police then arrive and disperse the rioters, and the Delta's obedience is displayed when a voice on a PA asks them, why are you not happy? They respond by crying and kissing. So basically they hear, oh, yeah, we should be happy. Why are we not happy? They cry and then they kiss because they figure that that'll cheer them up. It's all a bit weird. The police arrest John and Helmholtz whilst Bernard tries to escape or burn it, and he too is arrested. So all three are arrested. Now, definitely in the uh, towards the end of the book here, the three arrested men, Bernard, Helmholtz and John, are brought to the office of controller Mustafa Mond. What? I've heard that name before. <laughs> He's back. Mond. Mustafa Mond. <laughs> They're all like, we don't know what that means. <laughs> Please, we don't know Shakespeare. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, John quotes Shakespeare in this scene and Mustafa Mond understands and also quotes back from the bard, quoting The Tempest to him. The first person to do this. Mond explains that things like classic literature has been outlawed, but he has read it. Because he's one of the top ten. Top guys. He's yeah. he's like, I've got copies of the Bible and all this stuff locked yeah. away. I've read it. He's on Watch Mojo's top ten controllers. <laughs> <laughs> you won't believe who comes in at number one. <laughs> well, the classics are outlawed as they last too long and people keep going back to their old old copies. Like, I've got this old copy of... Uh, Brave New World here. (laughs) And to keep society going, they need people to constantly be buying new products, new things all the time. Consume, consume, consume. Oh, no. Oh, I'm seeing a parallel here. (laughs) Oh, no. Whoopsie. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out because that was too subtle for this reader. (laughs) (laughs) Also, he says that people wouldn't understand Shakespeare anyways. It's based on outdated concepts of love and monogamy. They'd just be confused by it. John challenges Mond, saying that people are no longer happy, but the controller disagrees, arguing that social stability is more important for the society. So John's like, people aren't really happy. They just think they're happy in this in this reality. They're empty and they're, they're yeah. entertained, but they're not happy. But Mond's like, well, what do you mean? Isn't that happiness? Mm. Question to consider. Big questions. Big yeah. question to consider on that essay, people. Oh, this is This book's got a lot to it. <laughs> you can study this book if you wanted. <laughs> Mon then tells Helmholtz and Bernard that they'll be exiled to an island with other free thinkers that don't fit into the society. Bernard Iceland. Has- Is that Iceland? No, Iceland. That was a punishment where you'd still be working. Yeah. But this one, oh. you're on like a, all the other radicals. You get to hang out with them. Australia. Yeah, basically <laughs> down under. <laughs> Bernard has a breakdown of this and begs to stay and has to be sedated with Soma. Mond tells Helmholtz that Bernard doesn't get that he's going to a place with the most interesting men and women on the planet and it's more of a reward than a punishment for someone like him Mm. and that Mond even envies them. He explains that he too had rebellious thoughts and was given the choice of going to an island or becoming a controller and he chose the latter because he was very intelligent. Yeah, He chose to make other people happy rather than make himself happy. Oh, that's nice of you, Mond. Yeah. Are you making anyone he re- happy? He really, <laughs> he really bigs himself up there. Yeah. Uh, Helmholtz chooses to be exiled to the Falkland Islands. He's given a choice. He can go somewhere tropical and he decides to go somewhere cold as he hopes the weather there will inspire him to become a writer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wank, 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 wank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes there and his jacket looks awesome as he leaves. <laughs> He's wearing the coolest jacket that everyone loved. 
and he's got a big, cool bunch of muscles. <laughs> <laughs> what a cool guy. That's the order of things that I want people to see me <laughs> yeah, have. Okay. Cool muscles. jacket, big muscles. <laughs> Are you wearing just the, an open jacket with your big muscles yeah, bulging I, out? I want to look like Blade. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in our second last chapter, John and Mustafa have a debate about religion and Mustafa says that the new society is better off without such things. Mustafa explains that unlike in Shakespeare, there's no need for nobility or heroism. No one needs to prove themselves. They just don't need to do that kind of stuff anymore. Everyone's on the same level. Except for the gammas and the... Yeah. Yeah. But no, no one cares about that. Yeah. <laughs> People undergo VPS or violent passion surrogate. Once a month to get their monthly adrenaline without any of the inconvenience of actually having to live. Mm-hmm. Just a production line of people going to bungee jump. Yeah. Mm. You feel that feeling without actually having to do anything. It's like those rooms where you can go and smash everything up with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get it out of your system so you don't murder everyone. <laughs> Once a month. But John responds, quote, But I like the inconvenience. I want God. I want poetry. I want real danger. I want freedom. I want goodness. I want sin. Mustafa responds, you're claiming the right to be unhappy, Mm. which John agrees. Yes, I want the right (laughs) to be unhappy. And uh, they agree to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) This is is one of the ten smartest men in the world. Like, well, I'm just not going to listen. And uh, you can think what you want, but everyone's got an opinion. The opinion's like assholes. Your stinks, (laughs) mate. I came up with that, not Shakespeare. Well, in the final chapter, Bernard and Helmholtz say goodbye to John and Bernard apologises for his pe- behaviour. He's like, I'm sorry I had a breakdown and begged not to go to the island. Mm. I'm cool now. So does he want to go to the island now? He just sort of accepts it. Okay, he accepts right. accepts his fate. John asks Mustafa if he can go on the island with the others, but Mustafa refuses and tells him that the experiment on him must continue. Basically, we want to know what it's like for someone to grow up in another world than grow up in our world. Mm. But he defies this and goes to live in an abandoned lighthouse in the countryside where he whips himself in his front yard. Mm. He sort of lost it a little bit and he's sort of punishing himself. I guess that's a really, he wanted God, he wanted all the religion. That self-flagellation stuff is a very yep. religious symbol, I suppose. And he just wants to be alone. Yeah. But he has noted, noticed whipping himself by a, a group of locals who tell some journalists who start to turn up to report on his bizarre behaviour. Mm. It becomes a bit of a sensation in the media and more and more people turn up to John's house, which he hates. Mm. A huge crowd gathers and when John isn't whipping himself, which is what they all want to see, they all start to chant, we want the whip, (laughs) we want the whip. (laughs) His old love, Lenina, who he still thinks of often, turns up to sort of reach out to him, but he lashes her away with the whip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone using a whip to like control a crowd or anything looks so funny. Yeah. We're like, Rah! back, I say, back. <laughs> There's nothing you could do about it. It's the, it, it, like it would hurt to get whipped, but yeah. it's the silliest object. Yeah. <laughs> well, this sends the crowd into a further frenzy. Mm. They're like, holy shit, he's whipping a woman now. This is crazy. <laughs> and they start chanting, orgy porgy. Orgy porgy. Oh. And then they have an orgy in front of the lighthouse. Oh, wow. And he starts whipping them back. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He takes, uh, this is John, takes Soma and passes out back inside uh, to escape the intensity of what's going on around him. Mm. But when he wakes up, he has a flashback of what's just happened. Him whipping himself, them chanting, him whipping Lenina away. He's horrified at his actions. Mm. 
The next day, the orgy is reported on in the media and more people flock to the lighthouse. They're like, this is exciting. Oh, that'd be annoying. Oh, God. Oh, people having an orgy on your front lawn. Oof. Oh, <laughs> get, oh dude, get the mail. Get out of here. Yeah, I'm over here. No, the post, I mean. <laughs> get out of here. So they all turn up and they're waiting for John, but he doesn't come out. Doesn't mm. come out at all. Eventually, people walk up to his front door, which is the jar, and then they open it, only to find John dead. Having hanged himself. Yeah, with the whip. It just says his feet were left dangling. With the whip. Probably with, the whip. with the whip. <laughs> I want to picture it. <laughs> uh, so a few people come in, they observe him, they turn around, they leave the room, and the novel ends. Hmm. That's how it finishes. Wow. John hanging himself. So Bernard and his mate have gone off to exile. John hanged himself. Hmm. And everyone else in the novel, at Linda's died. The mother and everyone else in the novel is back to their old ways because they all love it. The one person who wasn't from that world as well couldn't stand to live. Yeah, just couldn't handle it anymore. And he was never accepted in his old world either. So Yeah, he was never from either probably. It was difficult for him to go home. Hmm. Yeah, what do you think? That's it. That's the end. Great. It sounds good. What were the three words that you remembered? (laughs) I just remembered Soma a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the savages. Yeah. And that's like about it. Right. I remember the basic story of um, sort of the idea of the world and then they go to that savage thing and then he comes back and he's real famous and then him dying at the end. That's pretty much all I remembered. Right. I was very – so obviously Brave New World, huge pop culture influence or whatever, mm. but I still had no idea about any of that middle section. Yeah, right. Knew that it was futuristic, they controlled the world and that maybe people were – I'd heard before that unlike in 1984 everyone's oppressed, people uh, in this world actually think they're happy, that kind of stuff. Mm. But I never knew anything about John, the savages or anything like that. And, and so as I'm reading it, I was like, this is getting wilder and wilder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it really The actual changed. plot of that is very different to what I thought I'd read. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think what I read is people go like, iPhones, uh, <laughs> brave new world. <laughs> yeah. If it was written today, it'd be jobs <laughs> with that clock or whatever. But it, it the... Yeah, I don't know. So they've obviously in this world, they know that people kind of break out of this stupor sometimes. They've got to have an island for them to Yeah, go that's to. right. And uh, Mustafa Mon actually says to them, if we didn't have these islands, basically we'd have to kill you. Yeah. So you should be happy that you've got this option. Mm. And so what is the point of them keeping everyone, ha- to, to keep the production and to keep themselves rich and to keep people consuming new things? But what do they need to consume if all they've got is drugs and orgies? Are they still buying couches and everything? Well, they're still uh, the lower classes are still working in factories and doing yeah. things like that. So they're, so they're making the helicopters, I guess. Yeah. They're still making things, making drugs and making yeah. I guess the drugs is the thing that they're buying too. Yeah, and also like just stuff like electricity and cologne taps. Yeah, the true. basic, I guess luxury luxury items for the the uh, the alphas and the right. betas. Same as 1984. I definitely read that one, and it ends on just like a and there's no hope. See you later. Yeah. So this one, there was there is no hope. Yeah. <laughs> so. And the the idea that people, it's interesting that no one kind of goes back to to the to the world after they've been broken out of it. Like um, Bobby and Henry, what what not Bobby, Bernard and Henry leave. Everyone who's sort of aware of how the world is, no one. There's no one who chooses. Like actually, I kind of like it. Actually, yeah, I right. want to live in this stupor. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, well, um, Bernard did want he he was too scared to go out there, and he went eventually. Yeah. But he was like, "No, keep me here with my drugs and my bloody entertainment and all that." Yeah, yeah. when he was offered the island or yeah. told you going to an island, he was like, "Please, please, 
I don't want to leave this. Yeah, mm. which would be a scary thought. So a big question that I've seen in many places when written about Brave New World and probably the topic of uh, many essay questions is sort of the happiness in the book. And people sometimes like me to talk about the themes. Mm. So the characters in the book that question their environment, Bernard, John the Savage, Helmholtz, they're the only ones that actually seem unhappy. Mm. So everyone else actually seems un- unhappy. So is it better to be free and know the truth or to think you're happy? Because uh, Lollapalooza. Lenina. Lenina. <laughs> I'm so bad with names. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's fine because yeah, uh, I've seen it written down many sorry times. Sorry about that, Greg. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, every time she gets presented with eye-opening things of like, oh, this person wants monogamy or like uh, Bernard's talking to me about this other place we went to. Let's go over there and see it. Ooh. She actively doesn't like that stuff. Yeah. She, and she kind of tries to force herself to join in and she's like another one of the people who seems maybe not super into it, but when she does get presented with the alternative seems to turn her nose up at them quite genuinely because she's a little bit aware, right? At the start she kind of wants to just date this one guy, but then as she finds out more and more about what the other option is, she actively seems to honestly not like it. Yeah, it's it's it so I don't know. Presented if with the alternative because she's yeah. another one who's sort of not happy, but does does like this world. And I don't, the the people who aren't happy seem to like Bernard wants to be. Does he he revels in that fame? He's a loner in the way of not only being like I like being alone, but also I will actively abandon my friends. So he's kind of a douche, Bernard. Is that how he's presented when you read the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not a super likable main character. Yeah. You are so I guess you're sort of rooting for him because he like I'm reading the book obviously going babies being sexualized. This is crazy. Mm. <laughs> Why is no one calling this out? Yeah, yeah. And he's the only one doing that, but he's not super likable. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I, like he he seems like someone who society might still kind of oust anyway now. Yeah, right. So I, I mean, know. he's a small man, and who needs them? <laughs> but maybe that is making the point of someone who's completely unlikable. We we kick him out because we've got this homogenized society. Hmm. I don't know. I Made have to spend ages point? on it. Yeah, hmm. I'm not good at essays and shit. When I was in year <laughs> twelve, I wrote a history essay that I made up about. Um, you made it. You didn't just copy it. <laughs> no, like, well, because it was about the Chinese Revolution, and I didn't like that semester as much as the Russian Revolution. I just didn't really pay attention as much. So I wrote this long story about how Chairman Mao started a band called Mao Mao and the Pussycats. <laughs> and it was like a long thing about Please Please Mao was their first <laughs> album and so what on. Did, what was your score? I did all right. <laughs> like I didn't fail because I wrote about the Russian Revolution. What was your score at the end of year 12? It's like 70. Oh, yeah. Enter score, something like that. I really didn't didn't put a lot of effort in because of this sort of stuff. When I start to talk about what I think of a thing, I start to second guess it and doubt what I think of it and then go like, ah, blah, a joke oh, instead. I don't know. No, no, I, I think that, yeah, you, you make some good some good points there. What do you think, Luca, with uh, are people truly happy even if they if they just think they're happy? Yeah, I remember that being all the big talking points when you we were yeah, doing it sure. at school. Like what is, uh, yeah, happiness versus truth and like what makes up actual happiness and do you need to have, you know, personal expression and individuality and stuff like that. Well, that thing with Bernard, I don't think he'd ever be happy. Yeah. Because he just, like, wherever he was, he started, like, messing up something else. I I think he wanted to be unhappy. I think the point is that that's the uh, true human experience, is to not be happy all the time. Mm. And that's why he's out there whipping himself, because 
pain is freedom. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. John was like, I yeah, I do choose unhappiness. Yeah, yeah. Is it stuff. because you need the like? Is it as simple as you need the the? You can't have the light without the dark. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. A bit of high and low rather than just constant media. Or you want to work like people want to to feel that burden on them. It doesn't really address any of the lower class people. You don't meet any of the epsilons or anything. No, like. no, you're not really exposed to them at Surely all. Surely they're pretty unhappy. Yeah, they can't. But I think that they're so brainwashed and their intelligence is stunted so much yeah, that they probably they don't have, think about do it. Yeah. Right. Because it's weird that it's approaching it from this view of like, what does happiness mean? Uh, is it, you know, is the true? <laughs> but it's only amongst the, the elite. Totally. It's like the entourage of 2020. Completely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, can Turtle ever be happy? Like, who gives a <laughs> shit? Like, it doesn't matter if, like, it's hard to relate to this, to, to that upper group of people struggling about, like, you know, the OC. I never liked the OC because it was always about these people who, like, whatever. Who cares if you feel all right? You, you, <laughs> you're wrecking it yourself, idiot. That's what I felt about Marissa and stuff. Mm. <laughs> so, in summary, a brave new world and the OC. What have do you a think? Lot of, what's your, uh, yeah. what's your t- big takeaway from? Well, this? my big takeaway is that if I read an essay, I'd definitely reference the OC. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? When you see like those lives of the rich and famous, yeah, it's hard to famous, be like, yeah. well, you've dug yourself a hole. Get out of it. Yeah, it, I mean, it is definitely it's a difficult question, isn't it? Because being an outsider and knowing that there is, you know, uh, there is more to life, you're like, oh, wake up sheeple type yeah. thing. But, like, if the sheeple are happy in there, then is it really my place to wake them up? And is there more to life? Isn't life ultimately pointless? And it just, if you're happy the whole time, it highlights how pointless life is because when you just have pleasure all of the time, which is kind of the goal that you're working towards during your normal life or at least fulfilment, which these people seem to have, maybe they can't choose about the manner in which they're being fulfilled which would make you not feel fulfilled sometimes <laughs> if you're not in it. But the people who are liking it do seem to like it. And it's rare that the people come out of it. So I think just when you see a whole like, this is what life is all the time and it's always entertaining, of course it feels like it's pointless because life is ultimately pointless. Mm. Maybe that's what it's about. And I think I'd, I'd be more <laughs> t- I'd be more terrified of it if uh, they did murder you if you didn't mm. conform. But they literally take you to an island with yeah. other f- like yeah. close like, free thinkers or whatever. Hey, you jacked like, out of the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, you can just go take the blue pill or whatever and yeah, they, hang well, out with all the woke people. Exactly. They just give you, you just hang out at an artist commune essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. So that's better than this. Cool. I'm sure there's plenty of fanfic about it, but I'd love to hear more about those islands where all those freaks live. Well, not mm. freaks, those normal people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I want to hear about those epsilons and the and the deltas and everything who mm. are like their people too have been forced to live in like this slave labor camp from the sounds of it, and then for the book to focus on uh, maybe it's for a point the the people's happiness who are like having orgies on the backs of those people. I don't know. I, I, maybe I should read this book. Maybe you should. Yeah. <laughs> I get someone to read it to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, at the end of the episode, I always get the guests to score the book out of five of those as they've heard it mm. today. If you were to score this classic, now you know vaguely what it's about. What do you, what do you think? Is it does it deserve its classic status? <laughs> what do you can you do halves or yeah yeah, yeah absolutely? Oh, we've like had that. like three point oh one or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it like a four and a bit, four and a maybe mm. even four and a half. I'll say. Four and a half out of five. That's a that's a good score. Yeah, it's um, 
the plot is cool and interesting and um, the world is well built mm. and the it raises some interesting questions. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And it was very well reported on, Dave. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to give a five to the report and a three and something to the book. Mm. Yeah, no worries. Three and Three and two. Three point three point two. No, three and two are five. Three point three point two, something like that. I don't know because the the plot focuses on a story that could take place in this world and doesn't seem to get too much into like judging the world from our standards, which is obviously deliberate. But it leaves me with some questions about this world and what it's trying to say. And I think I like a a, a plainer message, personally. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You no want worries. From the book. I, no, I want I want more. Specific, like I, I don't know. You want to be laid out. You don't want to have questions. You just want to be told, "Hey, this is bad." Because I sometimes think when you have questions, like you can still have a discussion about it just as much if the book has more of a point of view. Yeah. But if you're left with questions, it almost feels lazy. That's maybe not the right word, but like uh, um, dodging, um, dodging. Yeah, I should yeah. write a book. It feels dodgy. He's, he's on the fence. Yeah, exactly. He's which- like, "Hey, this is what." Here's a little look at human nature. Here's what you happened decide. in this world. Yeah, you decide is like, oh, well, no. You decide for me. Give it to me. Give me that Soma. Uh, <laughs> that that do, was do, also- Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Absolutely. I also remember being in school and thinking like, man, everyone's having sex and doing drugs all the time. This sounds awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the and best. it probably is deliberately, you know, obviously yeah, yeah. it is deliberately like, that would be good. But I- like, is it just tricking ourselves into feeling that there's a point which ultimately it makes us existentially happy to feel like life has a purpose and things feel more purposeful if there's pain and suffering? I think that's like it highlights how much life doesn't have a purpose if you're constantly fulfilled and happy. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I imagine that there is a, a lot of people on this planet that if given the option to live the life they're living now or live this life in the book mm. if, as an alpha... I'd pick that for sure because oh, there is absolutely. a lot of suffering in thing. our world. They yeah. 100% do not address whether it's wrong to mm-hmm. have like, oh, I don't want to be an alpha because I want pain. It's like, well, surely some of you don't want to be an alpha because look at all the gammas yeah. who are having a work down there. Look yeah. at all the, the, all the epsilons. Ah. Mm. But that's part of their brainwashing, which is you're better than them. Yeah. You know, they serve you. You hear that? It feels weird that the book only tickles on that mm. rather than fully orgy-porging it. <laughs> yeah, or G, poor G, <laughs> which I really enjoyed. I'm going to give it a four out of five. So we're all, uh, I'm in between the two of you there. So yeah, lovely, great. Uh, but just quickly before we go, this show is supported uh, on Patreon. Basically, people support. Uh, Do go on my other podcast with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins, and then Matt Stewart's. Uh, this is a spin-off of that, and Matt's also got a spin-off called Primates, where he talks about uh, primates in popular culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Celebrating fifty episodes this week, so wow. Matt, yeah, even he was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but basically, the people that support us on Patreon, I announced the book in advance, so people, some people wanted uh, to read before I, mm-hmm. I do it, so they can engage even more. And then they also tell me their favorite books, and I tell you about them, and we can judge their choices. Right. Yeah. Great. So I'm going to give you three of those now before we go, and uh, the first one comes from uh, what I assume is a uh, a couple or two people sharing one account. Ross McFadzine, Rod, Ross McFadzine, amazing name, and uh, Jonna Higdon. I'm not sure if it's Ross or Jonna writing this, but they wrote, my favourite book is probably Casino Royale by Ian Fleming. Oh. It gave us one of the best 
heroes of James our time. Bond. Nice. Damn right, yeah. I guess so. It Wasn't cool. his personality very different in the in Casino Royale or one of the early, like maybe pre-Casino Royale, that he wrote about him a bit. And James Bond had a very different personality or something. Right. Oh, you yeah. have to get into that when you do an Ian Fleming. <laughs> I hate martinis. Yeah. <laughs> Give it, uh, stir it as much as you can. James, <laughs> James. Bond, James. <laughs> uh, whoa, lady, I don't move that fast. <laughs> yeah, Three fantastic James Bond impressions. Yeah. We, we really, really gave it to him. Uh-huh. I've never read a James Bond book. And it always seemed weird to me because I knew about the movies, obviously, for a lot longer than the books. I sort of viewed them in the same way as, like, a novelization of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Like, Who's this for? <laughs> yeah. But they came first and apparently are obviously bigger and better. Right. I'm, yeah, I've never read a James Bond book either or an Ian Fleming book. Right. I think I uh, my granddad used to have them on his shelf and I'd be fascinated by it. I would sleep with your granddad then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got a bunch of books his shelf, he literally had, oh, I think it was the, f- maybe four or 5,000 books. He had so Whoa. many. So he had a full home library, yeah. Wow. So very doable. How many pages is that? Like double? <laughs> <laughs> two pages in each book. <laughs> uh, Harvey Wiseman tells me his favourite book is It by Stephen King because it was the first time I was completely engrossed and taken into a book. It, it's so huge and expansive, it's hard not to get lost in the epic story King tells. Stephen King I actually have read a few books of and he is great. Yep, I've read It. It's great. Yeah. Misery is a very good one of his Really? As well. You think that's a good that. one? Great. I like Misery. Yeah. Which is why I don't want to live in this bright new world anymore. <laughs> I love to suffer. <laughs> I only read it because uh, when I was maybe 13, 14, I liked a punk band called Pennywise. Uh, and I found out where their name uh, came from. And I was like, I'll read this. It is way crazier than I thought. I'd never seen the movie or mm. read the book. And then I read like a summary or just someone told me what it's about. It's way more all over the place than just murder a clown. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love Stephen King, just really quickly as well. I really like this little fact about Stephen King. He used to have a separate room in his house with a huge desk where he would write there. He would take himself off and cordon himself away, sit behind this enormous like oak desk, and he would write behind that. Then he said his writing got way better when he got rid of that desk and had a small little one in the corner of the living room so he could get up halfway through writing, play with the kids, go back over and sit in there. And when he made the writing a part of his life, it made it way, way better than when he was like, now I have to sit down and write. Right. I I always liked that. Yeah. I wonder wonder if that works for everyone or if some some people do need to have Mm. the routine, the isolation. But yeah. Go, I did not know that. Good on you, Kingy. <laughs> we <laughs> love you, King Z. Uh, and finally, a name that I will mispronounce as it has a letter that I've never seen before. What? W? <laughs> <laughs> How have you been living your life? <laughs> <laughs> Every time you say your name, Dave uh, or Nikki. Uh, Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> this is the name. What? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's like, like the D? O with the line um, that sort of, it, it looks like a, Penny father, like a a man writing a penny father. Yeah, it's like it's a lowercase d. If the circle was huge, and then the 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 top little stick curved and had a cross through it, I'm gonna say it's. um, Can I have a go? Please have it. We'll all have a go. I reckon. Uh Billy Corgan. I think it's Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. He's a big fan. He's a big, big fan. <laughs> no, no idea. All of Dern, put it into Google and get Google to read it. Okay. Yeah, it's of, it seems Scandinavian of some description. Yeah, Definitely does, that would be it? my guess. Yeah, I was. It read like a D and an R to yeah. me as well. Ordern, like that. Ordern, something like that. 
I just moved my tongue more. <laughs> That's all I did to, <laughs> to simulate. <laughs> uh, it says Icelandic detected. Okay. Are you hearing that, at everyone at home? I don't know. I Well, how'd we go? Uh, thank you so much to. <laughs> Thanks uh, for sending something in, the big A. <laughs> yeah, we love your work. <laughs> Favourite book is definitely Ender's Game. What a banger. Yeah. <laughs> what a banger. <laughs> what a banger. That classic Icelandic phrase. <laughs> what a banger. This Viking guy like, oh, ripper. Money <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Uh, but thanks to everyone that supports the show on Patreon. Uh, it's, it's very, very nice that people uh, chip in there. There's a link in the description to this episode. And, uh, yeah, check it out if you are that way inclined. But thanks to uh, all those three people. And thanks to you, Lovely guys for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I feel pre- like I've learned. Normally, when especially when we do our podcast, I feel like I get dumber. Yeah, same. <laughs> I've started reading fewer books. <laughs> wow. Uh, but if people want to hear this dumb program, <laughs> where's the best place to check it out? Uh, go to any sort of podcast area. Podcast yeah, iTunes, app. Spotify, all that stuff. Ooh, spooky. How many? Three ha- O's and an H. I was going to say, yeah. has anyone had trouble Googling because they don't know? Or if you just did two and an well, H, would it I still dis- come up? It will come up still, yeah. but I disagreed. When we were putting it out, I thought two O's and a H is ooh. That's enough. They said that's O. I thought, o spooky. I thought three O's alone was ooh. No H. I wow. think the H turns it into an O, personally. So you think it should have just been triple O? Triple O, comma, spooky. Mm. Right, and Pete Jones was the voice of reason that combined the two together. Totally. He cut the baby in half, <laughs> and then uh, we were like, why did you do that? He's like, to make a decision. Like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The real owner of this podcast will come forward <laughs> when I misname it. Um, but, yeah, find it wherever. And it's got social medias and stuff. Follow all those. Those are Every the best ones to go to. Wednesday if you're in Australia, probably Tuesday night if you're most other places. Yeah, have a look on like the Twitter or the Instagram and we're ooh spooky on both of them. Fantastic. So I encourage everyone to check that out. And have you got anything else coming up you want to talk about? I've got that video games podcast Oh, yeah, well. please. So Filthy Casual. So you do that with uh, Tommy Dasselo and Ben Vanell. Yep. Uh, that's every week as well. Uh, E3 is coming up, which is like the video games big thing of the year. So I have a big couple of episodes coming up. If you like video games, give it a listen. Uh, and if you're not that into them, we try to make it approachable and funny. I've listened to the, your show and I think it's very, very funny. And I well, have not played video games in a long time. No, yeah. So it is very, it's still, it's just a funny podcast. It's just happens to, be, yeah. happens to be about video games. Yeah. Totally. Um, we'll be in Edinburgh as well, both of us and Pete, uh, doing so many shows. Yeah, <laughs> Too yeah. many. A split show with the three of us, and I'm also doing a solo show, and we're running a late night showcase, and I'm doing the gong show. Yeah. In August, uh, all through the Edinburgh Festival, they'll be on every single day over there. So follow us on socials is the easiest way. Adam G. Knox on Twitter. Lucas C. Muller. Also on Twitter. Well, wow, big shout yeah. out to your middle names there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I, I love my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> That's so good. What a name. <laughs> and the, the C? What's the C? Have a guess. Oh, Kelvin. What? <laughs> Kelvin with a C? <laughs> uh, how, how do you usually spell Kelvin? With a K. Christopher. Surely. Christopher or no, Charles. No. I feel like I've heard it before. It's Cameron. Too. Cameron. Oh, a strong name. Mm. But Kelvin's better. Kelvin's great. <laughs> Let's go with Kelvin. Luca pissing on a <laughs> pile of homework. Oh, yeah, that's with a C, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. I'm thinking of Kelvinators, the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, there. Thanks so much for joining me. And uh, if anyone at home wants to suggest a book, there is a link to that uh, little Google form in the description of this episode. And you can email me, bookcheatpod at gmail.com. And I'm uh, at bookcheatpod on all the social medias putting up. 
pics of stuff all the time. So if you want to get behind that, that's real nice. Over on MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. That's so good. We'll have to end the podcast here. (laughs) Sadly, we were only halfway. But, uh, yeah. And I'm going to sheepishly say uh, the... The catchphrase that I say every maybe third episode or so, and I'm embarrassed <laughs> okay. by it. But until next time, thanks everyone for listening. And until then, books forever. <laughs> <laughs> what are you embarrassed about? <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Thanks, man. <laughs> books forever. That's very funny. So, so good to say that on an audio format. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.